Good oh, morning, you know, Mr. Jason. Oh, that's right, Mr. Craig. Guess what time it is, Mr. Craig? Well, oh. oh! I'm going to cut you off, Mr. Craig. Oh, why you cut? You asked me a question. <laughs> cut me off. I, that's what I do. That's what I do. So is I'm it thinking. It's what you it's, do. That, 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 it's time for Road Renegade Ryan Hanley's Handy Tips for Marketing Quips. What? Did you just say quip? Oh, maybe I did. You quit. You quip talking to me like that, Mr. Craig. <laughs> Why are you giving me such a weird sound quip? Shut your lips and let's listen to these quips. <laughs> <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> Buckle up. It's the Insurance Dudes Podcast. Hey, Craig, um, this year I got some crazy growth goals for my agency. And actually, I've been talking to a few other agents. They got some crazy growth goals. So um, can you tell me a little bit about what you're doing that's just crushing it in your agency right now? Yeah, well, we're doing a lot of internet data leads uh, through a uh, company called EverQuote, and they're actually one of our sponsors. Ooh. Yeah. We're, so can and you I'm tell me a little of, bit about that? Yeah, part of the Accelerated Growth Program, um, which includes having your own consultant that's going to go over your results. And it's it's positioned to make those leads cost less so that you have lower acquisition costs. It makes it totally doable. Awesome. And so so what have been, what has been your favorite parts about it so far? I like the I like the visibility into the results. Um, and, and being able to compare what the, the numbers that they get on their side with the numbers that I get on my side and seeing that they mesh up. So we know that the data is correct and that we're actually uh, you know, in, in a cost per policy or cost per sale that, uh, that makes sense. Right. Yeah, cool. they make it real easy to track. And you know what? Guess what? They gave us a deal to offer to all of the insurance dudes and dudettes out there. Oh, I got to know about this. Yeah, you, all me. you need to do is go to go.everquote.com forward slash insurance dudes. That's go.everquote.com forward slash insurance dudes. And they give all the insurance dudes out there a killer price on this. So mm, I'm signing up. Ryan Hanley. We just, finished our, we just finished our sound check and here Jason is with... Oh, uh, boom. Boom, there he is. There we go. Ant, anticlimactic intro. <laughs> take two i was in hey. and then i was out now i'm back ryan what's up oh How dude you doing, man the fact that you have a rad poster behind you means that we are going to be very very uh, good friends that's my all-time yes. favorite movie ever really oh fuck yes <laughs> jones nice. is like one of the coolest characters in the history of motion picture that's really interesting. I don't think anybody has ever even pointed out the rad poster. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't want to no. go ass sliding with Lori Laughlin? <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's like every little boy's dream. Exactly. <laughs> that's what I've been trying to say. Right? So let's, let's, <laughs> since we're taking a step back in the past, Ooh. Ryan, what was the first concert that you've ever been to? I, you know, oh, so I'm going to say something. I am not a big concert guy in general. Just in general. Maybe that's uh, a insurance like, thing. I like live music in like bars, like, you know, bands and shit, just rocking out, whether it's their own stuff or cover stuff. Sure. I'm not a big concert guy because I don't, this is going to sound terrible. I don't particularly care for the people who go to con um, concerts. <laughs> not the hardcore people, the tourists. You mean, 
the like, I don't really listen to music that much, but I'm going to a concert tonight. So I'm going to be all, I, I try to avoid that scene. So I like, um, so, but to answer your actual question, uh, (laughs) Dave Matthews was probably my, was my first one. Dave Matthews. Ooh, we've had a couple of those. I like that. Well, the reason why I like that question is usually it's the parents that take you there or the brother or the sister. And it's usually something that's super in at that time. That's why you went there at a young age. Okay. So So I need to readjust my answer. If we're talking about what my parents took me to, it would be Reba McIntyre. There, see, there now that's fun. There we go. Now we're getting real. <laughs> so the that's first awesome. ever, ever, I think I was like 12. And my dad, mm-hmm. even though I'm from upstate New York, um, my dad pretty much wishes that he was born in like 1864, like in the mm-hmm. Nevada territory. Like he would prefer <laughs> to be born in a place where it's like the territory, like whatever the territory <laughs> That's what he would prefer he was born in a time period when we were still like the Nevada territory. You know what I mean? Like owned by Mexico. Yeah. Right. So he's always been a cowboy. Um, nice. It sounds like he has a mustache. He did. He did. He doesn't he did. anymore, but he did. Yeah. He, um, so he would show up to, uh, so I was a baseball player and he was my coach for a lot of it. He would show up to, he would show up like, cause we, we did have horses, but like he would show up. Like had he would take he'd be taking his chaps off in the parking lot to the games. He'd have a big ass like Wrangler belt buckle on, a cowboy <laughs> hat, one of those thick ass Wrangler shirts, and that's how he would nice. coach first base. Wow, that's and it was awesome. just like okay, that's this is what's happening. And, <laughs> There's nothing you can do about that. Nothing you can do. I was just okay. That's my dad. All right. So let me ask you uh, on that, on that row. I think there's two ways that can go. The dad being coach, either you get everything handed to you or it's 10 times harder. Yeah. It was more than 10 times harder. I mean, I probably got the opportunity to try out a couple positions that uh, I ended up being an outfielder in college. So I probably Mm. got to try out a couple other positions like third and second that I probably wouldn't have got a shot at. But as soon as I sucked at those, he, he just right away. Just it wasn't like humiliated I'm going to let you be terrible in that position. It was like, here, right. I'm going I'm to let you try this because I make the lineup. And then I'd boot a ground ball and he'd be like, nope, you go back out there. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, Ryan Hanley, welcome to the Insurance Dudes. Thanks for that awesome intro. Yes. Uh, for, for anybody who, who hasn't heard of you or lives under a rock, why don't you take us back um, a little bit after the baseball or the, the childhood baseball and yeah. tell us you know, how you ended up in this world? Yeah. So um, I was working for American Express in New York City with um, and I was dating my wife and we are both from the Albany, New York area, which is um, oh. about it's about two and a half hours north of New York City. Do you know and, Derek um, Forget? What? Do you know a guy named Derek Forget? I do not. Okay. Not, but there's the buddy from from Albany. I know this. You never know. One guy. I yeah, track one him guy. down. It's not a big place. I know. That's why I thought you might know. Yeah, I'll. I'll well, I'll know. I'll figure out who that is. <laughs> we'll um, go there later. We'll go there later. Yeah, I should have just said yes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Virtual fist pound. Um, there you go. So uh, yeah, so so my my wife and I met in college, even though we were both from Albany, but. Um, we, we didn't really hang in the same circles. You're kind of aware of each other. It didn't really matter. 
So we eventually randomly like meet each other later, slightly later in life. And we end up living, we both live in New York city. I'm working a shitty job. She was working an okay job. And we basically decided we wanted to move back to Albany. And I think her dad kind of saw the writing on the wall. Um, and he didn't want his little girl to be married to a bum. So he, during a Christmas party, takes me out of the Christmas party to this. This is like out of the Godfather, like takes me to this room with the wood or wood paneling on the walls and the high leather back chairs. And he sits me down and essentially makes me an offer that I can't refuse. Like, which nice. is, Hey, I want you to come sell insurance at the Murray group. And like his son who also works at the agency is like standing behind him, like over his oh, shoulder. Wow. I'm, I'm not kidding you. This is like straight out of a movie. And, um, well, I wanted to marry his daughter. So what was I going to say? So I said, sure. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't want to be a bum either. So, uh, <laughs> so I started, so I, I cut my teeth. I started selling May of 2005, I think 2006, to be honest with you, I can't remember now, somewhere around there. Um, hawking home and autos and small commercial pounding the streets, driving around, doing all the traditional things that you do to sell insurance. And what I found was I was really, really terrible at selling insurance that way. <laughs> um, I just like, it was brutal. It, it's funny. Um, you know, t today, today I love selling. Like I love it. I love selling. I love everything about it. I love sales, I love marketing, customer experience. I mean, it's such a big part of just every interaction I have in my life, not just my business life. I'm thinking about these things. And um, back then, oh my God, I was scared to death. I would like, I'd be standing out in front of like a, 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 a business that I'm about to present like a $500 bop to. I'd have like, <laughs> go in like, Get like to, sell, to sell a policy that I'm gonna make like a hundred dollars on. And, right. Um, you know, that wasn't working very well for me. And about a year and a half in, and I promise this, there's, I, we, we'll pick up the pace in a second, but um, about a year and a half Fine. in, my father-in-law sits me down and basically starts to fire me. Like, <laughs> he basically is like, I'm not sure that this is going to work out. Like, you're not really doing that well. Um, which obviously I was fully aware of. I mean, I was physically present in all the Monday morning meetings where I wasn't. <laughs> right. So, um, so, I, so, so that was a tough moment. And um, whether it was just <clears throat> serendipity or uh, just, I had to make something happen and uh, whatever uh, I ended up uh, finding the internet, I guess you could say, like I just found LinkedIn and there was a couple people that I wanted to connect to. And I, I started going, Geez, I'm actually being able to, I'm, I'm, I'm in comment chains on LinkedIn with people who literally won't take my phone call in the real world. Yeah. And mm. something triggered in my mind. It was, it was like a moment in my life where I was like, there's something here. Like I, mm. I'm, I, at the time I was probably 27, 28 years old, but I, I look, I look very young for my age in general. So if I'm 27, I looked like I was about 16. So, so I just didn't do very well when you met me. I don't, inst I didn't instill confidence in you in that moment. <laughs> right. that so, but on the internet, that wasn't the case. And on the internet, cause, cause I, cause I am through and through a, a nerd for insurance. I read policy forms. I, I really 
I like the business. It's an odd thing to like, but I was also math major. So I guess that kind of makes sense. Um, yeah. But like, I really, I knew the business for as much as someone three years in the business could, I knew the business. I spent a lot of time digging into the business of insurance. I was, um, I had already started my CIC. I had been to Travelers Producer School. Um, you know, I, I had done work to get better. And uh, online, I, you know, if I wrote a blog post or I did a video at talking about insurance, I could come across as very knowledgeable. I could express mm. my knowledge in that format in a way that, that people related to. When it was me in person, you were like, geez, this kid sounds kind of raw. He pr looks pretty young. Like, I don't know. And, and, but in the digital sense, that wasn't the way. So I actually started to attract business digitally, mm. um, which ultimately and, led- 08, this is like 08, 09, probably? This is, this, yeah, this is 08, 09, 2010. I started to mm. really get going. Let's business really then. started to cook. Um, now the caveat here is, I'm doing this on, now, if you were to go to there today, it doesn't look anything like it did. If you go to ryanhanley.com today, that's like, uh, I write about insurance stuff there. But, um, but at the, when, this, when that site was launched, when ryanhanley.com was originally launched, it was launched as the Albany insurance professional. I was writing about coverages. Now, in, 20, in 2010, 20, in 2011, my, my father-in-law and my brother-in-law basically, um, they saw this business that I was getting and they came to me and they said, you know what, you're doing it on your own site, which they were perfectly cool with. They were like, why don't you come do it for the Murray Group, which I was actually happy to do because there was this odd disconnect between why is he work for the Murray Group, but he's doing it on a different site. So I was okay with that. And, uh, and when I did that move, um, I, I launched something which really kind of was the, was the catalyst for my career was um, in December of 2011, because I, I wanted to jumpstart that website. In December of 2011, I started asking every client every single person I bumped into, if you could have one insurance question answered, just one, what would it be? This mm. question is too silly, too big, too large, too small. It doesn't matter. Nothing's out of bounds. Just what's the first thing that pops in your head? You'd love to have this question answered about insurance. I collected 147 questions and um, I pared those down to 100. And starting on January 2nd of 2012, I answered one of those questions every single day for 100 days in a row, two minutes or less using YouTube. So I would wow. just the phone up with my hand and I'd say, hello, my name is Ryan Hanley. I am a producer here at the Murray Group Insurance Services. And today we're going to answer the question, what is underinsured motorist coverage? And then I'd barf the answer. At the end, I'd say, if you need help or you want to, you have a question or if you'd like a quote from us, give us a call at, and I'd spit the number out, end of video, YouTube, take the YouTube video, embed it on the Murray Group website. And I just did that a hundred days right. ago. And it, it changed Incur the whole, we've, we've now done, um, that we can track to those particular videos, uh, more than $300,000 in revenue from those videos. And they still wow. produce leads today. So crazy. And, and it's, it's just something that it, it does just like this podcast, right? We started with one and we kept doing three every week and all of a sudden we've got a, a ton of them. Yeah. And it's just a function of starting, which humans have a hard time of doing. It's compound but, interest. Yeah. Yep. Sure. Now you have a digital footprint. Digital footprint, right? Yeah. If you're if you go on the interwebs, up pops your name and and a bunch of videos about. So I have to say something to you. In the last six months, I've had three other Ryan Hanleys reach out to me 
um, <laughs> about the fact that they can't rank on the first page of Google for almost anything. There is one guy who I think there's another Ryan Hilly who I think he's a professor at Princeton or something. And he occasionally slips on that page, but yeah, <laughs> it's tough. It's tough to be another Ryan Hanley. Sure. You should yeah, just tell him good. That's the yeah, goal. It's like Highlander, bro. There can only be one. <laughs> <laughs> Change your name. <laughs> and you know, there's, there's so many people that are jumping into this world uh, crazily at this time. And, um, and I think that we all go through that same experience. I, I, started before insurance I was at Merrill Lynch and I remember those those meetings when I you know I was fresh out of grad school I was young you know in, the, in my early mid-20s and and coming into a meeting with somebody who has a million in in uh, assets that they want to roll over or whatever and just like the first meeting I had sweat dripping down yeah. my face you know and, and it fail you know but yeah, yeah. It, it's it's the thing you know and a lot of people eject and I think for the listeners and anybody that's new, it's so important to just keep grinding, you know, whether it's make that video a day, whether, and you could do like, they could go and look at all the videos you made and do the same thing. Right. And they're going to create a footprint for themselves. It doesn't matter. I mean, the, the internet is just filled with people saying the same stuff over and over. And in order to increase your brand, which you've done, which is remarkable. Right. And it's led to speaking and it's led to all of these other things. Um, it's, it's just doing the steps, you know, grinding it out and not expecting results right up front. Yeah. Um, I was actually having this conversation today cause I'm part of i uh, I'm part of a Facebook group, um, that is all about video marketing, like insurance people who do video marketing. And, um, and I posted a video on there that I'm as part of the launch of, of my agency, uh, rogue risk. And it was funny. So I've probably produced more video than almost anyone in that group and probably most of them combined. And, um, you know, and, and, and here's what I'm going to say to you is they tore it apart and I was completely okay with that. And I believe personally that that is a superpower of mine. And I don't say that in a braggy way. I mean, no. you, you cannot have an ego when you do this work. Because 100%. someone's always going to have an opinion. So you guys know from producing this podcast, right? People yes. always go, oh, why do you guys do this? Why do you guys do that? Why do you say yeah. this? Oh, you know, this. why do you have this person on? You have somebody on, and then there's some weird click shit where someone over here is like, oh, you had them on? I can't come on your podcast. And it's like, somebody's oh, pissed. <laughs> it's, someone's always pissed. And you can't care. You just nope. have to keep no. – and, and, and what I do, and what I what – I've, and again, 10 years ago, I was not as good at this as I am – today today I, I i take all their feedback i wasn't saying that like their feedback wasn't valuable it was today i take that feedback and i'm making little tweaks mm-hmm. and making it better yeah. cool let's get it out but my uh but so you can't have an ego the, the second thing is um you just have to hit publish so like they had tweaks and i'm gonna take and couple, tweak a couple parts but then i'm just gonna hit publish and go that one's not perfect the next one will be better um because no one piece of content that you create, and this is like one of the hardest things to get through most people's heads. No one piece of content you create is going to change your life. So, and, and you have no ability to pick which pieces of content right. do well and which don't. For There's sure. no ability to pick that. This one's going to kill it. Nope. That's the one that tanks. Yeah. You have no idea. You, you None. don't. So in the creative pursuits, 
if you try to choose which piece of content is going to work and which isn't, the muse leaves, right? She sits on your shoulder. She gives you advice. She gives you guidance. She gives you strength. If you fuck with her, she will <laughs> leave. And by trying to predict this process, is, is you're going to piss her off. I so believe in the muse. And like yeah. right now, she's sitting right here. And she's like, Ryan, just hit publish on that video. Stop being, you know, stop overthinking. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's real life. Now, that sounds a little crazy, but, you know, I'm also coming to you from a basement, so. No, it's true. I mean, I always bring up uh, good examples, the Beatles, right? I mean, they were only around for seven years. They went yeah. through so many different transitions, phases. You see one year and you see the next year and you're like, oh my gosh, it seems like 10 years had went by. Uh, they're growing out their hair. They're, you know what I mean? And in that time, I think they did like 200 something songs. Yeah. Right. Not all of them were great. Well, I mean, some people would argue that point, but whatever. Most were great. But, but my point is this, is how many times do bands put out a few songs a year? Or, or like nowadays, or back when albums were out a few years ago, they would put out an album every two years. It's 12 songs every two years. That sucks. Like, you know what I mean? To, especially to compare it with the Beatles. I was, in ba I was in bands when I was young, and I look back, and we had a little bit of success for, uh, you know, so many years. And I look at the the amount of songs that we wrote and it was minuscule. Like, you know, we'd write like 20 songs over three years or something. It's like, are you kidding me? Like you could literally write a song a day. Like if you write a song a day, your writing skills, your music skills will be phenomenal within yeah. a couple of years. You know, so I think, I think what's interesting is um, speaking to that specific example. So, very debatable whether every song the Beatles published officially or not is epic. You know, you could debate that both right. sides. I'll tell you when their music wasn't epic. All those years that they spent in Germany banging away in the strip clubs and in the bars, hacking right. through songs when, you know, What's-His-Face could barely drum. Like, you know, that's those years, they're still producing music, but no one talks about anything during that time because, one, they were in friggin' Germany and, like, the 50s and two yeah. like um they weren't good you know what i mean like they literally weren't good they were right. they were taking they were taking jobs almost basically for free just to practice and i think what we've forgotten is that you have to do that work you have to practice mm -hmm. because your audience is going to choose what's good and what's not what you just said to me about the music industry and what i find so interesting about it is that when when they were producing albums and they were can only produce 10 12 songs every two years right basically the band slap more in and more often the case um the producers or the record label, label. was yeah. telling the audience here's what's good today that is completely and 100 percent the opposite way now yeah. the audience gets to say here's what's good and here's what's not good and, and right. the only way to have more good stuff is to produce more bad stuff, right? That's the right. only way you get to figure it out. Now, in insurance, yeah. right, and when you're having a professional business, you know, it's not a creative pursuit in that regard. So it's a little different. It's a little different, right? You want to put something out that looks completely terrible, or you got your shirt off, or you're wearing a MAGA <laughs> hat, or you're wearing some other whatever the opposite of a MAGA hat is like, <laughs> you, know, like you need to remember those decisions have ramifications you know what I mean so there's there's a little you got to be a little smarter 
but I think the principle still holds that um, we can't hold ourselves to such high standards. Just produce and produce again and produce again and let your your in this case, your prospects and potential customers decide which pieces of content are valuable to them and which aren't. Yeah. And to your point, like, let's say uh, an insurance agent that's in the middle of Arkansas or something, right? If they did one YouTube video, just holding up, not, not doing the, everybody's mm-hmm. waiting for the professional thing, right? I got to wait till I get the mic or the camera or something like that. They just held up their, their phone, took a video every day, talking about something in their town every single day for one year, they would be a legend in their town yeah. and they would probably get more business from that than anything else that they could do going to the chamber of commerce or anything like that. I have a $3,000 camera set up right off my right shoulder. I Uh use that 50% of the time and I use this cell phone 50% of the time. So you do not need that thing. And that, you know what I mean? Like I love that I'm nerdy. That's why I like it. I like thinking about colors and lighting and I like that. I like, the cinematography aspect of it as a hobby. If you are doing this for your business, you get, you spend a thousand bucks, no more. If you're really trying to go crazy, otherwise just use this. I'll actually give you a great tool. I'll give the audience. This is a pro hack. Hold on. Pro hack. Pro hack. Pro hack coming at you. Um, So this is called uh, moment lenses. Is this video? Will they get to see this? Uh, yes. Yeah, well, maybe okay. later. So I'm holding I'm... this up to the camera for those that are <laughs> yeah. watching at home. Um, this is a moment lens. Okay. This attaches, and there's a bunch of different systems. I like moment the best, but you can pick out which one yours best. It your cell phone case. So cell phone case. This is the cell phone, and this attaches right to my cell phone like this. Bam. Right. So now you can see there's a, there's an extra lens. If you want to go, basically the three thousand camera. You lose a little tiny bit of depth of field. I probably shouldn't even have said that to you because it means nothing. But like, if you want to <laughs> go basically pro level video with your cell phone and it works for it, go with a moment lens that attaches right on, bam, they got a little app. You put it on a tripod. You have now spent less than $200 and you have pro level video. And, yep. um, and, and you just don't need more than that. You just absolutely positively don't need more than that. You can do slow-mo, you can do time lapses, you can do fish eyes, you can do whatever the hell you want to do. You can do it all from your camera for less than $200. Love it. Pro Love hack. it. Look at that. Pro hack. And you can just uh, put, we'll even put the link to that in the show notes. So yeah. you can get it. Boom. 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 <laughs> what yeah, else? That's so true. I mean, we really honestly have, so much resources it's almost it's crazy i think that we have so many resources these days i mean you can look up on youtube literally how to do anything in life like you don't need to go to school ever again and if you watch youtube there's a video on how to do everything you can learn how to do everything i think we have so many resources it's almost like it's like overload and then you see the best versions of things and the worst, like all this stuff. And it's like, you get that paralysis. Like, I'm not going to do anything. It's like, dude, go do something. Like, like you can figure it out. Like you can research the M lenses in two seconds on your phone, download, you know, order from Amazon. If that's your hang up, like you're waiting for the, the good lens or whatever. You can order that, get that same day delivery, record the video and upload it to YouTube. And watch a tutorial on YouTube how to do that. 
and you can do that all in a few hours. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give, uh, I'm going to give another pro hack here. Ooh, so, it. um, Udemy, U D E M Y the training system. Yep. I taught myself how to use Google tag manager and implement full Facebook, Instagram pixels, conversion pixels, event tracking funnels in two hours on a Tuesday night for $11 on Udemy. Step-by-step, step, the guy walked me all the way through the process. I now have a perfectly installed Facebook tracking and advertising system on, on my site that I paid $11 and spent two hours. It took me two hours and 11 bucks on a Tuesday night. I sat down here with a local IPA. I drank that while I followed along with what this dude <laughs> from wherever he's from the South said. Bam, 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 bam. Everything works perfectly. On to the next thing. Like checkbox. Move on. And I, for I don't somebody that it's not doesn't complicate, I don't know shit about Facebook pixels. I spent eleven dollars, and dude told me what to do, and now it works. Like okay, so so let's go back for anybody that's like, what's a pixel? <laughs> no, 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 no. But seriously, so, so seriously, because I think this could actually be a big, like, yeah. you know eye-opener for some people how can that help what is it how can it help why would i spend two hours so i'm gonna try not to well i'm gonna get nerdy as shit and if you're not following along that's on you step your game i want third grade um, yeah so so (laughs) i firmly believe one of one of i firmly believe that well done marketing and advertising is a is uh both a good thing for the people for for your clients it's a reminder well done not People are spamming you, not, you know, penis pills. I'm talking about like, well done. So, you know, it's thoughtful. It's, it's, it's fits into your, the flow of your life. Okay. So let's, let's take a common scenario of why I'd want to use a pixel. So a pixel in general is a little snippet of code that goes on your site that lets Facebook know if someone has visited your site in general or a particular page or a series of pages, what have you. Okay. So I'll give you an example of why, like I'll give like for Rogue, uh, Rogue Risk is my agency. So someone visits Rogue and um, they check the site out and they hit the proposal page, right? So request a proposal, hit the proposal page. They may even start filling out the form and then they stop, they leave. There's a million reasons why that could happen. Um, They may decide they're not interested or kid walks in the room, dog starts barking, Boss walks by, phone rings, they get an email, you know, their boo just hit them up on Tinder. Like there's a million reasons <laughs> why someone doesn't finish the thing. Right. Okay, no problem. So they leave and they go about their day. But something brought them to the site and something got them to the proposal page and something had them sit there for a period of time. So Facebook has tracked all that activity. And now what I can do is the next time that they show up on Facebook, I can have a video targeted specifically to the event that they did, which says, hi, I saw that you were on my site and you didn't finish the form. If you're still interested in working with Rogue, click the link that's attached to this video, come back, finish your form so we can start working together. We would love to have you. Now that's a very simplified thing and I'm not saying that's the actual language I would use, but it gives you the idea. That that video will only fire for the, for the few people that actually have that scenario, right? I mean, over the course of the year, maybe you have a couple hundred people that that happens to. 
But if you then can pull in 20 or 30 or 40 of those people, those are 20, 30, 40 more proposals that you would have already, that you would have otherwise lost because they would have just gone back to their, you know, they would have probably forgotten, not come back. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and how much did that cost you in advertising budget for that per oh, for lead that, for, that, for mean, the retargeted dollars? Lead? dollars not we're dollars. To, i mean i'm not talking about right. tens of dollars i mean basically you just set up an ongoing campaign and it just it only fires when a certain scenario happens which is someone visits the site come to the comes to the proposal page spends more than say i think i said it for like 20 seconds on the page and then doesn't actually hit the page that they would go to if they completed the form so if that scenario happens i have a particular video that comes out that says you know, that said, you know, basically what I just told you. So we're not talking massive. It's just thinking through the process. And the only way to get mm-hmm. there is using Facebook pixel. But the truth is I had set up Facebook pixels on a very generic level before, but never that detailed. And that's why I bought the Udemy course, implemented the more detailed tracking, which was not hard. I just needed someone to tell me how to do it and then move on with my life. I think the problem is people want the results without actually having to do the work. Like they don't want to have to stay up till 11 PM, you know, watching a video and doing that actual work. They just want to go, you know, ah, I, I don't know how to do remarketing. <laughs> right. Like, shit. I don't know how to do remarketing either. I got to learn. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like I didn't, I wasn't born with remarketing skills. I didn't <laughs> like go to remarketing school. I went to Udemy. I watched a stupid video. The video taught me how to do it. I did it. And now I know how to do it. Like, there we go. Acquire the skills. Two hours of time and, and, uh, uh, 10 bucks. Yeah. And you know, what's the, what have you gotten that ROI is massive off of what you've done? From yeah. That? So it's, 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 you know, to me, and then, and then you just, and again, now, and, and then it's incremental, like everything else. Right. So now I have one track set up and then. Every time I find a new scenario, I know how to do it again, right? So maybe next yep. month I put another scenario together. And then a year from now, I have this, re- I have what, hopefully, I mean, again, things change and things break and you fix them. But like, hopefully I have a really well-oiled machine for the various instances why someone would come and oh not gosh. fill out the form. You know, other things. Someone comes, fills out the form, doesn't ever set up a call with you or doesn't answer the phone. You can set up remarketing for that thing. So now those people are getting uh, maybe just some general brand awareness videos that are just saying, you know, so now they're going, oh, shit, like, you know, I never responded to those guys because that happens. I mean, there's a million reasons why someone doesn't respond to you. It, you know, if you categorize all those reasons and apply it against they just don't actually want to work with you. All the other reasons are drastically more. <laughs> so it's just yeah. about being. Yes persistent and getting them in and 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 i'd say most of the time a respectful persistence your your customer your your prospects turn clients actually appreciate that a respectful persistence if you're just sending them crappy stuff and it's annoying then that's annoying but as long as you're being respectful i think uh i think that's a really valuable way to draw people back into your business I'd, I'd like to debunk maybe two myths. So somebody's saying, I think one of the biggest roadblocks would be that a lot of times we're so reactionary in our agencies or in our business that 
we are looking at what, where do I get the fastest return on ROI? Yeah. So we're constantly doing all those actions that's helping us today. Then tomorrow, I got to do those same actions again. Then the next day, I got to do those same actions again. Or what you're saying is you spend an extra two hours, a little bit, and mm-hmm. then you have this thing set up on over, like on automatic pilot that's constantly helping you. And I think a lot of times in business, it's so easy for us to not do those things that doesn't have an immediate ROI on it. It's so much easier to make excuses, dude. It's yeah. so much easier to show up at the, at the conference and go, oh, I don't have time to do that. Oh, I can't hire that person. Oh, you know, I don't have time to learn about VAs. Oh, I, it's just that's way easier. Then you get to do your little pity party and everyone <laughs> your glasses and you go to sleep at eight o'clock and, and you yeah. watch your shows. And like, like, I like to watch TV, too. I love TV, but to me, like there are times when two hours of work at night is more important Mm because I'm not an excuse maker. I'm not always right. I'm things break. Things don't work thing. You know, it happens all the time. I waste time on stuff. You know what I mean? Like it happens, but what I'm not is an excuse maker. And the problem is too many people are excuse makers. And I've been teaching, sharing my story, speaking, doing podcasts, doing videos for a very long time now, like literally 10 years or more. And I've gotten to the point where it's like, I don't think we should be convincing anymore. Like you guys shouldn't be convincing people. Well, you do your business. I'm going to tell you your life. I am not (laughs) convincing people anymore. Because if you can't see how you're either comfortable and God bless you. If you're comfortable and life is good, don't, don't do this shit. It sucks. It's hard work. You know what I mean? Don't do this. Don't do it. If you're comfortable, if you're not comfortable, then you have one of two options. Go do the thing or make excuses. And if you make excuses, I literally don't care about your success. I just don't because you have to care about your success for me to care. You don't have to have the answers. You don't have to know what you're doing. You can be lost and frustrated and confused and angry. And I am good with all those things. You know what I mean? I'll point you to you guys. I'll point you to someone else. I'll, I'll help you, whatever. You know, I, I'm good with that. But if you're an excuse maker, I literally don't care because you don't care about your success. So right. when I hear that, when I hear people honestly say, now everybody grumbles. I grumble too. You know what I mean? Whatever. There's a difference between grumbling and excuse making. And I think, um, I think sometimes uh, people who people just they they would rather make the excuse. It's their lifestyle. Their lifestyle is making excuses, and I just kind of have given up on those people. Yep. I I, I think it's funny too that um, I, I've I've actually talked to my mom about this. I've talked to a lot of people about this. When you get older, and it's already happening to me you get lazier. Like there's just certain things in life that you put on autopilot. And I'm sure it's like a brain function where, you know, it's your, your brain, just like the certain things that need to go on autopilot to take in new stuff. Yeah. But like, we got it. Like, I think one big excuse is, Oh, they're young. They get technology. You hear that all the time. Like they're younger. They're dude. It's the same. It's literally yeah. the same. They put in X amount of hours. If you put in 
X amount of hours, you'll get it. Just don't be lazy. Like there's a difference between, Completely I think people agree. just shut it out. The older you get, you shut out stuff. And it's like, you can't shut the stuff out anymore. Yeah. Since we're debunking, let's debunk that one. So young people know how to use the technology. It doesn't mean they know how to set the technology up or what its purpose actually is specifically for the function of a business. So I run into people all the time that can work a cell phone a million times faster than I can, but I can outmarket the shit out of them. They, you know what I mean? Just because they yeah. grew up, they're 22 years old and they grew right. up with cell phones doesn't mean they're good at marketing. It doesn't mean they're good at sales. It doesn't mean they're good at running a business. It doesn't mean they know insurance. It just means they know how to use a cell phone. So right. that one, that one, I understand why people feel that way because you know, this, this magic box can be really overwhelming. Like I get that. I get frustrated with it. The other day, for some reason, my, I'm an iPhone user and you have that like face swipe up thing. Yeah. For some reason the other day, it just stopped working. And I had to punch the six numbers into my phone. I get it. Like, it's, you know, it's technology. It's frustrating. But I think, I think we just have to remember that like, um, they grew up with it. Yes. So they're a little more, um, the usage of the tool comes a little easier for sure, but it doesn't mean they know how to actually implement it. That's a big, big differentiation. Um, And I would take one of your listeners knowledge of how to run an insurance business and how to sell over, you know, baser knowledge of a cell phone any day of the week. So I actually think that those people they probably, I think many, the ones that are worthwhile, envy your skills as a business owner or, or being in business and sales and marketing. They envy those skills way more than the fact that they can work this Snapchat app. You know what I mean? Like, right, it, right. So, yeah, I, I just think, you know, so I think when you put it in that perspective, it helps you because, you know, I, I, I'm with you, man. Like I used to be on the forefront of tech. I kind of feel like there's some stuff that like, like TikTok. I went into TikTok. I looked around TikTok. I deleted TikTok and said, nope, I'm good. I see it. It's funny as shit. It's addicting. I get it. I get why people use it, but I'm good. Like I'm just, I'm gonna move on from that one. Like that has passed me by. That's cooler than I am. And, um, and, uh, I think, I think we just have to be okay with some of that. Well, you can yeah. learn the tech, but you can't learn the vision and the experience, yeah. right? The yeah. vision and experience come with time. Like your, your ability to, to art, or masterfully deliver video comes because of 10 years of doing it almost yeah. every day, right? That, that's something that you've earned. Like you've earned it. You don't get that one yeah. day later. And even with the, the scenario you described with the pixel and, and I have a pretty good understanding of that. I've done some, some of that stuff, but you know, it gets, things change. It gets tricky. Well, you know what? You love it. And it, you said yourself, you're nerdy. So you like to understand and yeah. do these things, which is awesome. Right. But if somebody we can all agree and anybody listening will agree that doing that, what you said is a multitude times better than not doing what you said. Nothing. And, and whether or not you're nerdy or not, if you, if you want to do it, great, you can learn it. If you don't, you can pay somebody and they will do it for you. Right. So you can go on freelancer.com or hire VA. You can do, there's, there's a, I have somebody in Vietnam building a site for me right now that costs 200 bucks. Right. I mean, it's like, there's no excuse 
No excuse. And Ryan just left. He left the back. dog. The and he's back. back. He's back. I just, <laughs> my, you guys probably couldn't hear, but my dog started barking and it was driving me crazy. So I just closed the door. <laughs> my dogs are barking. <laughs> Standing up. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's. I told her that we were doing a podcast and she just didn't listen. Oh, so gosh. Um, I, dude, I completely agree with you. You know, I, I'm with you. I use, uh, I still use Fiverr sometimes for really small mm-hmm. things. Yeah. I use Freelancer. Um, I have local people, I have national people, you know what I mean? I, it's just a tough thing, you know, man, I think, um, you know, I, I, I just, this, this whole, cause, cause you know, I'm sure you guys get it all the time cause you have a platform and you want to be as helpful as possible. What I find interesting is the people who are the people, there's a, there's a very clear difference. And, and I'm, I'll be interested if you see this, but I can tell when someone sends me an email fairly easily now, if they will ever actually implement the advice I'm about to give. Right. right? Yeah. And if, if I, if I, cause because of the nature of the question, like some people will just be like, well, what do you do about website? And I'm like, that's a stupid effing question. <laughs> that's a stupid question. Like, go pick a website vendor, spin one up. I don't know. You're supposed to change them every two years anyway. So who cares? Like, just go pick one. That's a silly question to me. Something more nuanced is, hey, I have this, I have this niche I'm going after. Uh, I'm struggling with which platforms to choose. How do I build a tone around that? Do you have any videos? Do you have any resources you've already created? Now I know this person's being respectful of my time because they're asking if I've created anything already. They're being, they're asking a very specific question that I can give a very specific answer to with value. And then they can take that information and go forward. And I think for those listening who are interested in picking the brains of other people, and again, I don't know everything, and I'm not trying to present myself as more than than what I am, but I think when you when you you can get this industry in general is so incredibly open to helping each other. Mm -hmm. I've been, I've, 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 it just is like people are willing to help each other. Yep. I think you just have to be. I think if you want to get the most out of individuals, you know, regardless of where they sit uh, in, in any organization, be very specific, be respectful of their time, and they'll answer those questions. And I found that my entire career. Um, I think what happens sometimes is we just answer, we ask these very broad, like thoughtless questions, and mm-hmm. it just makes you not want to help. Um, or just, or just maybe you just, Hey, you just, I'll answer that one later. And then you never get to it. Not, not, not intentionally. Cause it's not like, it's not like you don't actually want to help, but well, I think, um, well, you, you don't, I mean, I, I, I will say that I agree with that and I don't want to help people that don't want to be helped. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So a question can, if a question's asked in a way that it's like, I'm asking this question so you can validate the reason why I don't do it. Why would I answer that? I don't want to validate the reason why you don't do that. I do that. That's why you're asking me and you're asking me to go against my own. So it's like, you don't want to answer that essentially, or or you just, yeah, I think it's not a bad idea to not talk to that person because in, in your world, in my world in anybody's world, that's like trying to do something, move a needle and stuff we come up against roadblocks we need to be around positivity we're trying things that are difficult we're failing sometimes and we are optimistic about what we're doing and we 
are only going to present that. We're, yeah. there's, I don't want to get into a conversation where I'm defending what I'm doing. Yeah. I, um, I also don't want to, you know, I'm not quite so Machiavellian too. Like I'm probably coming off. I'm, I, for some reason I'm like fired up right now, but I, um, I I'm probably <laughs> sounding it. far more like far more like authoritative than, than, you know, I, I try to help most of the people that I run into. I just think, right. I just, I, I maybe I feel at times there is a certain type of person who instead of doing the work just wants they're in, they're exchanging doing the work for asking questions and then using a lack of response from those questions as a reason that they didn't do the work and i have to cold call too like i have to prospect too like i have to figure out ways to reach the type of customers that i want to reach too i have you know i have where's my notebook i I have an entire notebook that I use just for script. Well, this is a new one. Um, well, whatever. I have an entire notebook. Where is it? Now it's <laughs> um, here. See, this there's the determination. Notebook. I'm constantly scripting, writing ideas. Hey, here's how, you know, an idea hits you here. Talk to text, uh, talk to notes, whatever. Like I have, I have posted notes all over the place. You probably can't see them in the camera angle, but like, I'm constantly thinking of how do I attack this person? Oh, you know, I think this guy knows this guy. Let me check that out on LinkedIn. Oh, he does know that. Okay, here, I'm going to send him an email here. See if he'll introduce me. Like, I'm doing that work all day long. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I think, and, I, and maybe this is just puts a pin in, in this particular conversation, but like, there's no magic bullet. Like there's, I will help. I will help just about anybody that sends me an email, even the stupid questions I'll answer. But I guess at the end of the day, I don't have anything that I can say to anybody that just is like the answer. I I'm doing the work just like everybody else. Um, you know, trying to hit all five pillars, right? Like networking, referrals, advertising, marketing, cold calling. Like I'm, I'm doing all that stuff too. And sometimes one vein works a little better than another. Sometimes another vein is working. You know, I, one day you could call me and I'd be like, advertising's the way to go, YouTube ads, because one YouTube ad hit the home run, but the last four could be shitty. Like, I don't, you know, I, I guess I just, I guess I just, uh, I just feel sometimes like I'm just frigging trying to figure it out too. Um, and all I really want is to exchange information with people who are doing the same. Right. Well, yeah, at, at least try first, right? Google it, look it yeah. up, go to Udemy, figure this out. Don't, don't call and say, hey, how do you do a Facebook pixel? Yeah. Really? I mean, you can type, how do you do a Facebook pixel? And a mil multitude of things will pop up. So many things. Right? And you can get started. And at least then the question is, I'm stuck with doing a Facebook pixel. Have you ever encountered this? Okay, yeah. now we're talking. You actually care. You want to move forward, right? But not... Uh, Hey, does this lead company work? I don't know. I, I mean, don't know. Try it. Buy them and try it out. Find out. I mean, right. all day long, which leads are working. I mean, dude, I don't know. Why don't you buy? No, leads don't buy? work. Leads, leads oh, don't work. You work. Internet leads yeah. don't work. I'm like, what's your process? My answer every single time is, what's your follow up process? Well, we call them a couple times and put it in a spreadsheet. Well, guess what? It won't work. Lead companies yeah. in your case. I mean, that's that's a fact. You're never yeah. gonna. 
with Lee. Dude, I'm with you on that. You know, another thing that helps um, for people is uh, masterminds. Mm. I've, I find now, again, there's a couple of things with masterminds from my opinion. Don't join a million, join like one. Right. And uh, cause some people go like mastermind crazy. They're like, Oh, I'm in this mastermind and that mastermind. And, mm-hmm. um, and th- that's overload. I'd say do some homework, talk to the people that are involved and make sure that it involves paying money unless it's a close group of people. Cause then the paying money part is just for skin in the game. Not, you, you know, you're not trying to make anyone rich. I'm not saying pay thousands of dollars or whatever, unless you, unless you feel like it's worth it. I'm saying mm-hmm. even if it's 10 bucks for a coffee club, like, like I, I'm in a couple of mess. I'll, I'll give you an example. So I'm in that video marketing mastermind. So with people who use video in the insurance industry who market video and, and we talk about it, we talk about it all the time. Um, I'm in another like general insurance mastermind that my buddy runs, which is, which is pretty just, he constantly is interviewing really interesting people and, and I like it and I like to support him, but there's really good conversations there. And then I'm in a man meeting. I have a man meeting on, on mm. once, once Friday here locally in the Albany area. It's like eight dudes. We get together every, you know, one Friday morning every month and we just talk about stuff. Sometimes we talk about life, kids, being married. We talk about, you know, whatever. We talk about business. We talk about whatever. And, but what happens is, like the other day, I, I was looking for a bank, like a commercial bank um, and a commercial banker and, and like a good, someone who knew the insurance industry, well, doesn't, I'm not going to go down that road. I was looking for a bank <laughs> and sorry, I, I can take tangents. Like <laughs> that's, that's my other superpower uh, tangents that don't matter to anybody but me. Um, uh, so hard and, on yourself. And, and I got four responses, right? Hey, here's a guy. He can help you if you get in a pinch. I would not my first choice. Okay, that's great. That's a good backup answer. I got another guy calls me on the phone immediately says, talk to this woman, Lynn. You know, she's at Pioneer Bank. She's the best. Like she'll give you her full attention. She'll walk you through, like go see her. Boom. Now I got a commercial banker who I can call who from a recommendation, you know what I mean? And I wouldn't have been able to find her if I didn't have that mastermind. I mean, I mean, maybe I could have, but now I have someone who I've spent time with, who I've shared parts of my life with, who know who who is going to feel responsible for that recommendation, right? I mean, if he's not going to refer me to somebody who's bogus because, like, your Bill and Ted's excellent adventure poster that you have behind your head, um, <laughs> uh, he's not going to refer to me to somebody like that because he, we have a relationship. And, you know, whether that's virtual or, 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 you know, local that I think those masterminds are really important for people. I, I, I have, I used to kind of be like, eh, and I'd say the last like five or so years, I have really come to feel like, I mean, I I've gotten some of my best recommendations, um, you know, um, being an independent agent, like having to deal with carrier appointments, like I've gotten inroads into carrier appointments that I, that I feel like I sidestepped the line a little bit because I have some people in different groups who can vouch for me and, and, you know, and that kind of stuff. So I just think whatever circles you run in, finding a few masterminds is a really, really strong investment of time. 
I agree. And especially with, um, I mean, even, I mean, that's, that's an awesome point that, yeah, it does help you sidestep, but I mean, accountability too, like going back to what we were talking about with, um, you know, some people just don't implement and it it happens to all of us. There's things that's like, Oh, I want to do that. And none of us are perfect and we don't jump on things right away, but like the masterminds do help where it's like, all right, I got to keep doing this because a, I don't want to keep showing up every week and saying, I didn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everybody needs accountability. I, I think. I agree. Well, we're working on a million things. It helps you to prioritize and really figure out what's most important, right? Jason and I have the, the inner circle. We're trying to put the event together, all of the different things. And it's like, ah, then the agency steps in and, you know, then there's all these issues and we get back next week. What do we do? Oh, you know, so things can really get inappropriately prioritized. Mm. Yeah. And and those I, things provide a lot of clarity. I think it is rarely your best option to be operating on an island. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. I think that's really <laughs> the deal. I think, I think, you know, maybe you need to do a little clarifying thoughts some self-reflection. Sure. Like go off on your own for a little bit. We're talking, but you can't operate a business that way. Like you can't, you, you can't do that. Like being on an island is just very, very rarely and and the some of the glam um glamorizing of people who kind of like went it on their own that's that's most that's movies that's not real life like you you always have somebody you always have a group of people most likely who you knew hey man i got this idea how stupid is this idea Eh, that's not your worst okay (laughs) like that's the kind of stuff you're looking for or the person will be like dude do not do that like i got this buddy over here did that thing. It's not the right thing to do. Don't do it. And then, you know, and you're like, okay, cool. And, um, that, that to me, I just think, I, I think we, we sometimes are afraid to ask for help. Um, or, you know, cause, cause we don't want to look like we're in a position Go. of weakness. Um, I think that our egos get in the way. Um, I know being an insurance agency owner is a very ego driven enterprise. Um, you know, it just is like, you just, there's a lot of ego involved in it. And I think stepping out of that is really important. Um, if you struggle with ego, ego is the enemy by Ryan holiday is a tremendous book to help you work. Through mm-hmm. that. Um, so I think, I just think just ask for help. Like just go to a meeting, go to a conference, whatever it is, get a group of agents together and just be like, man, I don't know how to do this thing. Like I'm really struggling with, I tried this, that didn't work. I tried this, didn't work. You know, hiring's a big one. Like no one talks about hiring. It's one of the most important aspects of your business. Um, Stupid accounting stuff. I know people who have literally put their business years behind because they didn't understand, they didn't, they were too afraid to ask for help in like accounting areas and tax areas and stuff like that. Like it's just, you know, and like I said, you can, you can kind of cut the line by being part of a group of people you trust, asking these questions and then and then uh, getting the answers. For sure. Yep. Tell tell us about Rogue Risk and and other things that you're working on or up to. Yeah. So um, maybe I'll I'll finish the intro story since we went on so many tangents. <laughs> so fast forward, I've been an agent for eight years, um, doing great, and. Uh, I, I just, I, so I worked for my father-in-law, my brother-in-law, my wife was working the agency, my sister-in-law was working the agency and, and I had really taken on digital marketing. 
Um, the last month that I was there, I drove 90 inbound leads. I wrote 63 policies on a hundred dollar budget. <clears throat> so we were, nice. we were cranking zero advertising, yeah. all marketing. That's um, that was just that channel. I mean, we had all the other channels going too. That's just like website channel. Basically SEO was my content marketing was my thing. Um, was that that's, but that's in the past, right? A little that's different. In the past. Now. Yeah. That's in the past. Yeah. So I get off. So at that time uh, I'm kind of hitting a national scene to a certain extent as someone who's mm. doing this. I mean, again, we're talking about at this point, like 2013, 2014. Sure. Um, Cutting edge. And I got the, I got an offer from a company called trustedchoice.com, um, which it, you know may or may not have heard of. And to be a to be the chief marketing officer of their, they had like a they had like a national lead distribution platform to a certain extent. And they wanted me to build a media arm, which is Agency Nation, if anyone's ever heard of that platform. Um, so I they hired me to do that. I built Agency Nation moved on to bold penguin which is another uh insurance technology company it was a chief marketing officer there uh and my brother-in-law at that point um unfortunately um uh contracted uh, a very rare form of cancer at which point i had to come home because i all these jobs required me to travel quite a bit Uh, so i uh, came back home and i was the ceo i took the first first best job which ended up being uh, a CEO position for a fitness, local fitness enterprise, which was something um, weird. <laughs> it was weird. Um, it was good. It was really good experience running a business, but like I was still kind of like involved in the insurance industry. My wife's still an independent agent. So I was still like in very much involved in the industry and what was going on. Um, and then the founder that come, that was really a temporary job. The founder basically was needed to take, care of some other stuff and uh he took the ceo position back and it was time for me to leave that was uh october of this year and when that was over uh i had been through my work as an agent all the reading i had done the thousands and thousands of agents that i've spent time with the hundreds if not thousands of carrier people i've spent time with the vendors i developed through that time a philosophy on an agency model that i could build and uh, when I, when, when, when the metabolic, metabolic was the name of the, of the fitness business, when that came to an end in October, it, it was just, this was the next thing I was going to do. So uh, the name of my agency is Rogue Risk. You can go to roguerisk.com and check us out. Um, there's not a tremendous amount there because we technically haven't even launched yet. Um, uh, hopefully either next week or the week after we'll officially launch and be open for business. Um, and it's, it's, it's what I call a human optimized or agent optimized agency. So um, there's going to be, there might be some discrepancies between uh, captive and independent. I'll just describe the best I can. So classically uh, in the independent side, um, they are service heavy. They're, they're really service heavy enterprises. You're the vast majority of your staff are service people. Um, and oftentimes even the producers, once they hit a certain amount of production, just essentially become service people too. And the agency starts to bog and wallow and plateau and then coast. And that is where a large majority of the independent agencies sit today. 
Uh, they have a principal who's between 62 and 72 years old. <clears throat> they do not have another producer. Their average employee make, you know, revenue per employee is somewhere between like 100 and 120,000. Um, they haven't grown in more than four, three years. So uh, what I want to avoid is the service quagmire. So when I say agent optimize, what I mean is you pull your, your, your workforce forward and you create, um, you, you create basically an agent, uh, an agent staff that is frontline underwriters, they're relationship builders, they're true risk managers. And, and you, and, and based my, what I'm going to do is instill in them the same philosophy that I have for insurance, which is if the agent does his job on the front end, then the, you don't need the heavy service staff on the back end. The problem is most agents do not set expectations. They do not, they're, I'm going to shop your, Hey, let me shop your stuff. If you've ever said, Hey, let me shop your stuff, (laughs) slap yourself in the face. You're not a bad person for having said that, but you deserve to be slapped in the face. I'll even do it right now because I've said it before, right? Like, you know, just do it because, but what it does is it doesn't establish you as a true professional. Mm -hmm. And um, I have a good buddy, his name is Jason Cass. And he talks a lot about why aren't insurance agents considered professionals like lawyers, doctors, accountants. And um, he has a bunch of, a bunch of things that he bunch of reasons why he feels that we don't and how we can change that right his mission is not to, it's not chastising he's saying we can change this and we should and um and i believe that that i believe that you you can get rid of that service layer and so so basically what rogue is uh is going to be high high touch agents vas and then carrier service centers and that's how we're going to handle it we're going to establish up front that the carrier the, the, you know, Pam or Steve at, at the carrier knows that product better than anybody. So you're going to talk to me. We're going to spend time together. We're going to, and again, time is relative because obviously there's a convenience factor and all this too. And we can talk about that. But, um, but I think changing that conversation, um, I'm going to let Geico and some, you know, and, 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 and progressive talk, uh, you know, 15 minutes, this 10% that, that's fine. That's their market. I'm gonna let them have that market. But anybody who cares more uh, about what's happening, cares more about their family, their financial responsibility to their family, I think there's a very large market that is underserved and is dying for people to start talking to them and building brands that speak to their desire to be to be properly covered. And and maybe not those words, but but that idea. And um, <clears throat> You know, that's what I'm gonna. That's how I'm attacking the market, and you'll see that if you go to Rogue Risk, you'll see just some of the language. It's not perfect, so don't. You know, it's it's like all things that I do. It's a work in progress, but that's the idea. You are a hundred percent right too on on us being different. We have to differentiate against the Geico's, and then that audience also, because otherwise, if if we're going to be the guy, let me shop you around. Well, guess what? The internet can shop you around. Yeah. So. take that person out, right? You're eliminating yourself by making that statement. Yeah. Have to have to be the professional. We we always teach our agents that, that they're the doctors of insurance. You don't ask them what they want. You don't go to a doctor's office and, and they say, you know, um, I think I want a, a Z pack cause I'm sick and blah, blah, blah. 
I'm like, oh, okay, let me just get you that. You know what I mean? Like you go there and you're asking them their professional opinion and you prescribe it. So that's what we do in our office. You prescribe it. I don't care if they want the lower coverage. You say, you ask the questions and then based on the diagnosis, you diagnose what they need. Tell them this is what I recommend. You know what I mean? You can always go backwards. Like if they absolutely, it's 1530 or nothing else, at least say, I recommend this. This is why I recommend this. And to be honestly honest, to do that is a disservice to you because you're really not going to get what you want. You're going to pay all this money. You're not going to get out of it what you do. You know what I say when they want state minimums? <clears throat> when someone wants state minimums, I learned this from my father-in-law, who's a gangster killer. He, um, <laughs> he would, so if, if, if he would, let's say, so we weren't allowed to write less than 300 single if you did not own property and not less than 500 single if you had property at my father-in-law's agency, that was it. Like there wasn't, those were, you had two options. You could go up to a million, but it, the minimum wow. we would write is 300,000. Okay. He, and that happened. I'm not shitting you 97% of the time. And here's how it happened. No, you know, I have 5,100 and uh, I think I'm just going to stick with that. Okay. Hold on one sec. And right in front of them, you flip a piece of paper over and you write down, um, uh, my name is, you know, Maria Jones and I am choosing 5,100. Um, my agent has, 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 uh, you know, some, some of the effect of has, has recommended 300 single. I am declining that in favor of 5,100 and then <laughs> yeah. a line with an X on the back of a piece of paper and you spin it around and you, and you push it in front of her. And I'm like, I need you to sign this to sell you 5,100. I'll do it but I need you to sign this piece of paper and she, and she's going to go, why? And you're going to go, cause you're going to get into a car accident. That's not going to be enough coverage. And you're going to sue me because I didn't do my job. And she's going to awesome. go, what? And I go, that's not enough coverage. It's not enough. If you have your worst day, insurance is for your worst day, right? Yeah. Insurance is for my worst day. If you get in a little tiny fender bender and it's like $400, do you need insurance? No. Okay, cool. But if you kill someone, you need more than $50,000 in at-fault liability. True or false? True. So I need you to sign this so that the <laughs> government knows that I told you that so that when you sue me because your life is – I'm not – I'm getting a little apocalyptic here. But, <laughs> right. Um, but no, that's very similar to what I would say. It's basically like the government is – you're going to come after me. And a judge is going to have to decide whether I did my job or not. And this piece of paper proves that I did. And dude, they never fucking signed that piece of paper ever. They always went, I'll just take the 300 single. What's it like $17 <laughs> more? Yeah. Okay. I'll just take that. <laughs> you know what I mean, like these are the kind of things you got to do because you know, they don't, we've just, they've been trained. That's the problem mm -hmm. is our most consumers have been trained poorly and um, it's our job to beat that out of them. Well, you told the story and you future paced their pain. Right. And people are going to move out of pain. Yeah. Like that. that they're, they're moving to avoid that pain. You, you, yeah. you painted the picture and they're like, fuck that. I don't want to have any part of that. Yeah. Well, fine. I'll pay. It's only 20 bucks more. Who it's cares? Never, that's the thing. We're talking about like 20 bucks. Right. Like the difference between, you know, I guess if you're down in like the 1530 range, but like, like, but the difference between 500 or, you know, 5,100 or 100, 300 and 300 single, which you can debate 100, 300 versus 300 single. I prefer 300 single. That's my personal yeah, opinion, but sure. whatever. Um, the difference in price is like peanuts. 
but because it's Never. lower, they're always going to choose that lower option. And, um, and I really believe that it is our job. It is our moral duty if, as insurance agents, as licensed insurance professionals to, to help people make that decision that because shitty stuff happens and uh, it's not their job to think about that, right? They're purchasing the product. It's our job to help them understand what they're buying. And, um, you know, I just think it's, I think there are a lot of people that think that way. And there are a lot of people that don't. And if, and sometimes, um, you know, those aren't easy conversations, but, uh, but they certainly, I believe are part of the job. Yep. We went over a crazy amount of awesome knowledge nuggets uh, today. <laughs> Can you tell me what would your number one piece of advice be to any agent either getting into the industry or may maybe one that's uh, ready to, that's getting all fired up? Subscribe number to the one. Insurance Dudes podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen daily. Um, after that, I would say, um, I, I, I would go back to the mastermind thing. I really think you need, if you surround yourself, like find a mentor, find an agent. Um, uh, I have a woman, her name is Emily Hewling. She is a consultant now, mostly for MGAs, um, managing general agents, but she, um, uh, I, she called me randomly one day, like 10 years ago, uh, to ask me something about something I had written. And then I just started talking to her and she became a mentor of mine. And she has helped me make some of the harder decisions in my career, not just in my insurance agency life. And I have a, I have a bunch of other agents that I call. When I was starting Rogue, I had about six people that I called and spent real time with. You know, I said, look, I, I need like two, three hours of your time. I want to run this by you and I want you to poke holes in it. And I, you know, and, and, take that down to a smaller extent. You can do that when you have a group of people with all the decisions. Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about hiring this guy. He said this, should I be concerned? Nah, man, you know, people say that all the time. It's all good. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. Now I can move forward. It's little things like that, that will help you move through the business faster. And uh, I think the best way to do that is surrounding yourself with people you trust. Love it. Love Drop it. the bike. <laughs> I want, to know every way we can get Ryan Hanley, every way. <laughs> um, well, every if you're interested in more bullshit like you heard today, <laughs> uh, go to ryanhanley.com, and I have all kinds of stuff. I have videos, articles, podcasts, um, which I do twice a week, which is mostly interviews. Um, I do pull in some people from outside the industry. So if you like, um, sometimes I bring in people that I think are cool, like Alan Stein Jr., and Hanley marketing people, like stuff like that. Um, if you're interested in just checking out Rogue, I mean, I'm sure no one needs to buy insurance from me. I can't <laughs> tell it to you yet. But uh, if you just want to see like what I'm talking about and the brand, that's yeah. at Rogue Risk. LinkedIn is probably my favorite social network. So if you're into if you're into that, LinkedIn's a great place. Just to search Ryan Hanley. Um, you should probably find me. The other ones are not in insurance. So if you see we will, like, uh, Professor Ryan Hanley, that's not that's not, not him. Not that guy. <laughs> Somehow he snuck into the first page. Yeah, <laughs> we'll include all of those links. I'll we'll dig them up, get them all in the show notes, so so people can find you, and uh, you know, ask only good questions. Uh, but uh, man, 
totally appreciate your time and and so great to meet you yeah, uh, heard yeah. A lot about you and no this is dude this is awesome thank you so much for having me and uh obviously i've kind of seen you guys from afar for a while and it's just awesome to spend time so i i just cool. really appreciate it and i am that rad poster has just had me try <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. just staring at it there, there was a good month or two period that it was all ebay and i just kept going on ebay buying stuff from my childhood i love it i love it i love the the i probably would have went with wrestlemania 3 when hogan body slams on uh andre the giant but you can't beat the ultimate warrior that was big time and uh and ghostbusters 1 is still the best so i I have other (laughs) thoughts on your posters as well the fact that you have three michael jacksons really speaks to me as well (laughs) and peewee He's the only, well, he's the only multiple, he's the only multiple participant in his, in his wall is Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was a big part of my life. Big fan. First, my, that was my first concert. I thought it was Michael Jackson. Yeah. Oh, so much better. Jesus. Bad tour. And then I've, I've also been to his house uh, when he was alive twice, which was the coolest thing I've ever done. Walked by Janet. It was not, didn't have the stones to, to go up to her. No, I was dumb. I, oh. Yeah, but it's Janet Jackson. I mean, Jesus. You got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Oh. I don't know. I might have hesitated on that one, too. Yeah. I'm not going to hold yeah, that probably. against you. Yeah, I was, I was wearing my bad T-shirt from the, from the tour, too. So. <laughs> How old were you? This, I was like 20. I was like 20. That's a tough, that's a tough draw because you're kind of fanboying out. At yeah. the fanboy place, and then you're gonna fanboy on her. I can see that. That's there's a lot of emotions there. There I, was, I, and I, it I, was, I, it was, it was Joe Jackson's birthday. We did this two years in a row, and there was a ton of C celebrities there. Like uh, a couple cool memories was one it was uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt nice. was on the on the grass, and I was I had a huge crush on her in the in the 90s. Yeah, playing with one of his monkeys, like that was in a diaper. <laughs> And it was so cool. And I'll never forget, she's saying like, oh, I wish people like understood me or something. And I'm like, oh, I just wish I had the gall to talk to you because I would love <laughs> to talk to you. <laughs> and the monkey. But I just, yeah, and the monkey, play with the monkey. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And then, and then uh, uh, MC Hammer and, and Vanilla Ice and MC Hammer started like dancing and like he was being loud. And I was just like, this is like the coolest event ever. Yeah. That sounds amazing. What's what's funny is all the artists that you just named are the songs that like my kids listen to. Like yeah. like Ice Ice Baby came out, I think it came I out when I was like five or six years old. And I remember listening to Ice Ice Baby and being like, I don't understand half of what they're saying, but this song is dope as hell. Yes. <laughs> and now my six-year-old loves Ice Ice Baby too. I don't I think Ooh. his mom played it for him. And he wants to oh, listen to wow. Ice Baby all the time. And I'm like, gotcha. how is it that like 30 years later, my son is listening to the same, like loving Vanilla Ice? <laughs> I don't listen. That let him listen crazy. to Ride That Train, though. That's a little too it's solid. <laughs> <laughs> Busy, you should get you should get him the haircut, man, with the lines yeah. and the sides and the eyebrows. Dude, my kid is already way cooler than me. It's not even, it's not even funny. <laughs> Both of them that's awesome no guys this was this was awesome i any any uh anything you guys need you just let me know um i, I this has been this has been tremendously fun and uh and i really appreciate it same from All us right, man. man 
Yeah, yeah we yeah. love what you're doing. Sweet. We'll see you down the road. Yeah. Hopefully sure. you will be back. Jason, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up one of our sponsors, EverQuote. Oh, tell me a little bit about them. Well, I've been using them for a couple months, and I'll tell you that the results are delightful. It's been now a couple months, and, and over time, my cost per sale has dropped every single week. That is awesome. Tell me, so you're on a specific program with them? Yeah, it's called the Accelerated Growth Program. And this this bad boy gets you a better deal on those leads, so way less expensive. And you get a consultant that's going to actually go over your results to make sure you're tracking properly. And so you, and you've been doing that for the last couple of months and uh, consulting I have. with them? Yeah. And, and I see everybody complain about leads and, and this and that. And it's like, look, if you don't have a, a process to track and measure your results, then I can totally get it. You don't even know what your results are, right? And you asked them to give all the insurance dudes and dudettes out there a killer deal on this. And they came through, didn't they? They came through and I know you're going to take advantage of it. But if they go to go.everquote.com forward slash insurance dudes, that's go.everquote.com forward slash insurance dudes. Then guess what? What? Deal city. I'm there. Do it. Hey, you've got to check out the Insurance Dudes Inner Circle coming soon where you get extended interviews as well as live coffee talks in our private Facebook group. Join the mailing list today at theinsurancedudespodcast.com. Hey, thanks for checking out the Insurance Dudes. Hey, please subscribe. We got some really great stuff coming out.